All right, so I'm Dan Blackwell. I serve in finance and RCs and some guest services here on Sunday. Uh, but Josh said it, we're in 572, Colossians 3, 5 through 17. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right, guys, have a seat. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be up here. Dan, thank you for reading the word for us today, man. Josh, thanks for the intro. Almost making me cry before I even get started. So um, super appreciate that. But guys, we're going to dive into Colossians today. Um, and the first question I wanted to kind of pose is, what's this picture that you see right off the bat as we hear this put off, put on? Most people go straight to clothing. Now I'm going to put off new clothes, put on new clothes. I'm going to change, right? And I wanted to bring an illustration, and I've been working on this tattoo for the last, feels like, year, but it's been like four months, five, five months, and I got an opportunity about two sessions ago to sit with my tattoo artist, and we're sitting there, we've been talking, he knew I was going through the sermon stuff, and I decided, you know what, hey, I'm going to order some pizza for the whole shop, like, let's hang out, let's get to know each other, let's connect, and uh, just spend some time together. So I ordered pizza, and uh, he's like, oh man, I forgot I had a consult right now, I was like, yeah, no worries, so I sit down open up the pizza, we start eating, and we start just chatting with some other people in the shop. He's doing his consult, and he comes back, and he sits down, and he's just got this look on his face, and I'm like, Ryan, what's wrong, man? Like, what, what's going on? And he goes, oh, I don't know. The consult went okay, and I was like, well, what do you mean? Was it a tattoo you don't want to do? Is it something that's just outrageous? And he's like, no. Just to be honest with you, man, he goes, it's in a place that I don't feel comfortable doing tattoos. And I was like, okay, I get where you're going. Like, I know this is a salt and light tattoo, Christian tattoo shop. You already have rules in place. Like, there's some safety there. And he says, well, for me, it's a little bit different. And he, he shared some of his testimonies with me previously. He's been saved for about a year and a half at this point in time. And previously, he was a drug addict, an alcoholic. Um, and he had cheated on his wife, who had stuck with him all the way through this. And he just looks at me and says, she was a breast cancer survivor, which is amazing. Like, praise God. Like, this is incredible. But she wants a tattoo on the top of her breast. And he said, my problem with it is this. I have to lean in her chest area and have my arm close to her breast. And I can see her cleavage. He said, the same thing happens when I have to do tattoos on the thigh and the leg. I can look at private parts. And it pushes me towards my old self. I start feeling that urge to... Um, want to look at women. And he's like, I really just want to talk to my wife about it first. He says, but ultimately the four or 500 bucks that the statue is going to cost isn't worth it to me anyways. So the picture that we're painting here is what we're about to get into with Paul as we look at this put off and put on, but the purpose of it in Christ in us. Um, but before we dive too deep, as we're looking at Ryan's testimony and seeing where he's at and he's focusing on Christ, there's four groups of people that I kind of think about sitting in this room right now. And the first group is those who don't know Christ as their treasure yet. And if you don't know Christ, just so you know, this text is talking to the church, the body of Christ. And I want you to sit here, and I want you to soak it in and listen and let the word just dwell deep as we communicate through it. The second set of believers, there's, there's the bootstrappers, is the way I'd explain it. But it's the people who listen to this list as Paul goes down, and they want to take up their 
boot, literally, and start doing it on their own. They're going to focus on what can I do to fix myself, right? The second set is the guilt and shame, which sometimes I fall into this, this area too, but this idea where we hear these expectations and our shoulders drop and our head drops and we feel intimidated by what God's trying to point us to and we walk out of here in guilt and shame. The second is those who maybe say, let grace abound. We've been saved by grace through faith. Let grace abound. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. God's got it covered, right? What I want everybody in this room to do today is come to the text with their eyes fixed on Jesus. As Paul has set us up from the beginning with the doctrine of a preeminent Christ, a Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Jesus who is greater than He has been pointing us to Jesus from the beginning, and that's where we want our eyes fixed, is on Jesus the whole time, not on what we can do through this, right? Um, So today as we go through this, there's a a few things we're going to dive into, but Paul directs the church of Colossae with a clear direction. He calls the church to put off the old, to put on the new, and reminds us that Christ is all and in all. So the first points that we're going to roll through today, the big idea is Christ is all and in all, and that's where we're going to land throughout the sermon. Um, The second point that we're going to go through is because Christ is in us, we can put off the old. Because Christ is in us, we can put off the old. The third, uh, second point is because Christ is in us, we can put on the new. Because Christ is in us, we can worship him fully. And because Christ is in us, we can live for him fully. Um, And then looking at it, there was a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon that came to me as I was going through this and prepping for it that kind of ties us all together. But um, the Christ is all and in all. It says, The apostle was arguing for holiness. He was earnestly contending against sin for the maintenance of Christian grace. But he did not, as some do, who would like to be thought preachers of the gospel, resort to reason inconsistent with the gospel of free grace. He did not bring forward a single legal argument. Whoa. I'll read it off the screen since I completely lost it. Nailed it. Uh, Where was I? Uh, that, uh, That he knew he was writing to believers who were not under the law but under grace and be therefore used arguments fetched from grace and suitable to the character and condition of the elect, holy, and beloved God. Guys, in short, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Christ, and in our maturity in Christ, as we mature in Christ, it takes elbow grease, though. There is this aspect where we have to work out our salvations. And if you read through Ephesians 2, I'm going to hit, I'll read through these for you guys, but I'm going to hit two points. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right? On the second flip of that, Paul, the church of Philippians, common theme here with Paul, 2, 12b and 13 says, Continue to work out your faith with fear and trembling, or your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and will act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So as we dive into the scripture, we're going to see what it looks like to work out our faith, to take that elbow grease, to put that in, and we're going to work out our salvation together, guys. So if you look at your scriptures with me, we're going to start off, I'm going to chop this up verse by verse, so hang in there with me as we go through. So if you guys take a look at verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Stop right there. The first thing I want to point out is, Paul says, put to death, therefore. And the first thing that we teach in biblical training is, what's the therefore, therefore, right? And if we look back at verse 3, it says, because your life is hidden in Christ. So the setup that we had last week is, because your life is hidden in Christ, put to death. And he says sexual immorality. And sexual immorality, considered fornication, in Greek the word's porneia. Simply put, porn. Put it to death. Right? And outside of that, we have sex outside of marriage that comes to it. Books that drive lustful desires that we look towards fantasies and excitements about that just dwell up in our heart and get excitement, right? Emotional fornication can drive into that. You hear the, the phrase of work husband and work wife that starts off as a joke and then all of a sudden emotionally attachment and the next thing you know is physical attachment. What Paul says is put it off, put it to death, right? Impurity, 
filthy and lustful desires is this impurity, right? This hunger for things that borderline sexual immorality, these things that kind of move that needle closer and closer to exposing all of these, right? If we look at it, maybe we're watching rated R movies instead of rated X movies, right? Small transitions in that area of impurity. Passion, this passion that Paul's talking about is not a godly passion that we see in Jesus. This is a, a vile, depraved, lustful passion, right? The hunger, uh, the excitement, towards the vile, the lustful, whether we're watching movies or social media and excited about what those things are be driving us up, those passionate desires. Evil desires, and this is, this is an easy one, looking at what Joshua brought up as we read through Psalms today, right? The evil desires in this world expound from small areas in our hearts all the way to vicious murders of children. And as we let those evil desires continue to boil in our hearts, those small ones will come out as big ones. So put it off, put it to death. Covetedness and idolatry, I think that in our world today, in America especially, this is a lot more acceptable. This is something where we can sit in this and be like, that's not a big deal if I want what they have or if I'm gonna chase or pursue that. And we look at it, we, we look at things, money, easy enough, cars, fame, status, position, right? Role. Do I really want to be up here preaching or do I want the affirmation of a preacher, right? You things can become an idol super easy to us. Um, and those are the things that he's calling us to put off because of Christ, but because of Christ we can, right? The list above that you guys see, a lot of these, if you're looking at sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetedness, these are things that are hidden in the dark a lot of times. This is not something that's easy for others to spot. You can sit in your closet, in your room, on your phone, separate from your spouse, from your friends, from other people, and these will hide deep inside but can root up in many different ways, which we'll see in a little bit, but also we can see that evil desire again root to much bigger depths, right? And I started thinking through this idea of death, and as we go down this list of the sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, this idea of put to death since Genesis, the fall of man, this is what God has been doing with sin. If we look at the fall in the garden when Adam and Eve ate from the, the fruit and the tree, right? He slayed an animal to cover their sin. Death was what covered the sin. If we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, we look at Noah's story. The whole population wiped out outside of Noah and his family. Sodom and Gomorrah, entire cities that were living out this sin, wiped out because of that sin. And God is continually to press us towards Jesus and telling us that this isn't just put it away in the closet, hide it, hope it doesn't come back. He says, put it to death, just like God does to cover our sin, just like he did with his son Jesus on the cross to cover us and redeem us from this specifically. Uh, one of my life verses, uh, another tattoo I got over here, but verse 76, 12, and the beautiful thing about 612, it's this hoorah for men. It's fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in front of many witnesses. But 11 is really where it starts, and it fits with this. And it says, flee, O man of God, from all immorality and pursue Christ. Flee, put to death, put off. These constant, strong words as we work out our salvation and remove this from us, right? If you guys go ahead and take a look at verse 6 with me. Uh, verse 6 says, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Kind of already spoke about this, right? The wrath of God has been coming since the beginning of time because of this level of sin. So Paul reminds us of that. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And it has come in the past and will continue to come until this is a new heaven and new earth and is redeemed through Jesus, right? Take a look at verse 7 with me, guys. In verse 7, it says, In these you two once walked when you were living in them. And I want you guys to pause right there. This is one of these things where as I talk to the church about these sins, there's a difference between living in them, habitual sin, right, versus repentant sin. And... In this, when we think about it, the difference is when you sin, repent, turn, walk away, fall, you're trying. You're not living it anymore. Paul says, 
when he looks at you, it says, in these you too once walked. In my old self, I walked in these sins. This list is what I lived out. This was my day-to-day. This was my Bible <laughs> versus this. And um, if I'm looking at the habitual sin and I think about this idea of turning or attempting to move into that new transition, I had this picture in my mind of the babies that my wife and I have cared for uh, over the last eight years. And we've, we, my wife and I have done foster care, um, and my, my kids obviously have been a part of that as well through foster care. And this picture of babies that we raise and the way that they learn to walk. So those of you who have nephews, those of you who have children who have babies in your life, and you see it, as they get to that stage nine months, 13 months, 14 months, somewhere around that range, you see them get up to walk. And they take a few steps and they fall. And they get back up. And then they try again. And everybody around them is like, yeah, you got it. You can do this. And the baby keeps going and going. And eventually that baby's walking by themselves. And then eventually they start running. And then they smash their head <laughs> on a wall. But they get back up <laughs> and keep going. Right? The baby didn't fall and sit there and stew in its failure. But it got back up and continued to try and those steps got longer and longer. When I, put off, when I put off some of my old self, if I look at like my issues with pornography, it wasn't all of a sudden day one, it was gone. It was, I made it a week. I made it two weeks. I made it three months. I made it six months. I made it a year. But there's constantly putting off of that addiction, Right? And that's the same picture we see. So, you guys, if we look at Proverbs 24, 16, or write it down, 24, 16, it says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in times of calamity. Righteous man, church, you have Christ. Because of Christ in you, you can put this off. You will stumble. And when you stumble, you will stand back up. And you'll keep Fighting the good fight of faith, right? Um, Take a look at verse 8 with me, guys. Verse 8 says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Let's go to a little bit more of this, right? This this idea we we're adding an additional list to this. We've got these inward hidden sins that nobody can see. Then all of a sudden we transition to this list of sins that are more acceptable, but also more outward. And a lot of times the sins that we see that was listed out at the beginning, as those rise up in us, deep in our heart, this is what exegetes out. So if we look at this list, these deep-rooted sins that come out as anger. This isn't righteous anger. This isn't Jesus walking into the temple and flipping tables because they're desecrating his father's house, right? We see this anger in us when we're driving down the road and we get cut off and pissed off because the guy cut us off. And we rise up out of anger and we yell at them. Coworkers that are maybe lazy and you're working your butt off for the, for, the, for the company and they're not getting it done and you're like, dude, this guy's just lazy. And you're angry towards that coworker and it just builds and builds. Um, this is a great one for my children. Kids that wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is say, dad, 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 or mom, mom, mom. And they're selfish. Give me, give me. You didn't even say good morning to me. And all you want is want, and you're like blowing up within the first five minutes of waking up, and you're like, Jesus, thank you for your sleep. I hate you, right? Like this transition, it's like so easy to do, right? Students at school, right? If you're a student, how often are we being ridiculed by other students in school, being slandered, being made fun of, and it rises up in us in anger? But because of Christ, guys, we can put that off. Wrath is what Paul says. It's extreme anger that's used for enjoyment or pleasure, right? So if we think about that as how can I hurt someone for my own pleasure and enjoyment? And a lot of times, even in Christian selves, right, we can make jabs at people that hurt and hurt them. It may be small jabs and jokingly, but that person is being ridiculed. They're being hurt, right? Paul says, put it off. Malice, desire of ill will on someone. I think about this when I'm thinking through this idea of malice. And I've said this in my head. I wish they were dead. 
after they did something to me, right? I hope they get what they deserve as they cut me off and ran that red light and they get smashed halfway through as a T-bone. Dude, it's malice rising up in our hearts. And Paul says, put it off, right? Slander, talking about others in a negative manner. I love this in the Christian circle. This is called gossip. And it's not really gossip because you're like, hey, Susie, have you heard about Susie? You should be praying for her. She's going through this. And all of a sudden, Susie is now being slandered about because of her marriage that's broken. And now she's being jabbed, that slander, that malice, and whatever's rooted in your heart's coming out, right? So how easily can this dig into our church community, into our hearts outside of the church, even? Paul says, put it off. And this is probably... My worst one, to be honest with you, and most convicting, but obscene talk, right? And this can go from all the way from the cussing like a sailor to just calling people dog water as you're playing Fortnite because you're frustrated with them. And this obscene talk is the talk that's degrading and non-edifying to others, right? Hurtful towards others. Me and my boys, as we play video games, I have to remind myself regularly, like, guys, we can't talk about those, but they can't hear us. It doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter. And you get frustrated because this five-year-old's beating you in Fortnite, and you're like, bro, right? But when I look at these sins, I look at this list, I think about my testimony. As I mentioned before, that first list we saw, I got every one of them. 100%. The second list before I was saved in Christ, 100%. I look at my A score, 100%. <laughs> All of it nailed to the T. And as I was living this out, as I was living out sexual impurity, passion, evil desires, covetedness, the rest of this would come out of me. As I continued to sit in that sin, habitually sitting in that sin, I would be the one who would go to the bars with the guys and wait till two o'clock to walk out that door and find someone that I could slander, bring malice and evil desires and ill will and I could find a way to fight because I was so angry inside, so much sin and destruction. So instead of hugging, I was fighting. As Josh said, I'm a hugger, not a fighter now, thank God. But that was my intention as I habitually lived in these sins. And now as a believer, as I work through these to ensure they don't rise up, as I see this in me with my wife and kids, as I let some of these other sins in my life, my past sins of my old self, the old self that we're supposed to put away, rise up, I see this come out. It may not be full-blown pornography, but this desire, this lustful desire that's leading me to it. And then I wake up, and I'm angry at my wife. I'm angry at my kids, and I'm short-fused, or I'm just negative at that point in time. There's always correlation from one to the other, um, and there's that deep rootedness. So for me, as I've worked through this, one of the ways that I do this myself is I go to therapy. I'm crazy, so I need therapy. <laughs> and a beautiful part of therapy is that I get to work through my old self. I get to look at my old self and my old trauma and my old Adam, the old Cody, and I get to allow Christ to redeem that to build the beauty in the broken, but also remind me that that is not who I am. I am no longer defined as that person. I am in Christ. I have been redeemed. So that is a way that I put off in a way that I actively, week to week, remember to put off, right? So if you need therapy, grab therapy. It's good for you. Uh, go ahead and take a look at verse 9, guys. Verse 9 says, Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. And this line, it's funny how he throws us in here. We're putting his practices off, this line. And when I think about lying, I look at the church community and the false community that it brings, the masks that we wear, the people we act like we think we need to be. And I think about the comparison of the church to my past. And my past, if I didn't wear the mask, walk the walk, talk the talk, do what they did, it was too easily excommunicated uh, from that group, right? Even now, as you go out to a bar and you say, I'm just going to have two drinks, and everybody else is getting drunk, and they're like, you're weird. 
Like, no, I'm redeemed, right? There's this accumulation that happens of our past where we don't fit in unless we're trying to force ourselves to be the same as those other people. And as we lie inside of the church, it builds this false community, this false connection amongst believers. And all of a sudden, you don't know me. You can't see me. You don't know my heart. You don't know my life. You don't know my struggles. And as we get into life together and we're doing life together as believers in Christ, that transparency, that open book of like, this is who I am, but I'm redeemed through Christ. As you see Christ just as the Father sees me, right? You get that same opportunity to love people from different backgrounds, with different struggles, with different brokenness. And we're all coming in as a dysfunctional family, messy. And it's not our job to say, hey, just put this mask on and make me comfortable and happy with who I am. We get this opportunity to be able to love one another. Um, so with all that said, the fun part here, guys, is we get to make a move into some good news, right? We get to look at what Christ says that we can put on. Well, we can put all of this stuff off, right? The sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. That's always going to be there like a thief in the night waiting to kill and destroy. It's going to happen. Actively put it off. But because of Christ, we can put that off. And now we get to look at what we've been made new in Christ because of his life, death, and resurrection, what he has done for us on the cross. And now as a redeemed people, a new people, we get an opportunity to put something beautiful on and keep putting that past off, right? So look at verse 10 with me, guys. Verse 10 says, and have, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You get to put on renewed knowledge. You get to put this renewed knowledge on, this knowledge that Christ has given you through the, the redemption that he has offered through you through Jesus. And that renewed knowledge is going to build a changed spirit, a changed community, new passions, new desires, a new heart, no longer do you want to sit in that old self. You want to put it off. You have the desire to remove it and let the new dwell within. And that renewed knowledge changes your view. Your lenses are flipped. And I can look at another brother who's going through something, and I can empath be empathetic towards him. And I can understand where he's coming from, and I can love him in where they're at hear the stories of the church, the broken, the struggles they're going through, and I can come to him like Jesus came to me. I could not do that without Christ. Without Christ in me, that is not my heart. But because of Christ and a renewed mind in Christ that's given to us, we can now go back to the creation. The original desire that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit had as they created us in his image to have unity and we're part of that bringing of the new heaven and the new earth as that comes. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ we are a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. When I look at the church, and I look at this picture of renewed knowledge, renewed mind, I have some names. Obviously, this list can go on and on right? If my self is an easy picture, my old self has gone, my new self has come. I have another brother, Scott, a story to me where we are literally twinsies in everything that we went through named Adam Cook. And this brother and I have gone through the same struggles from drugs, alcohol, sexual issues, so on and so forth, abuse, abandonment, da-da-da-da, you go down the list. But he lives out a renewed mind in Christ. Every day he actively puts off and he puts on. He chooses the new over the old, right? He's allowing that renewed mind to come in. Another brother who wrote out, drove all the way down here, Keith Winrick. Appreciate you being here, man. Um, another brother who I was a part of early on in his faith, watching that renewed mind transform as he had been part of many gospel-led churches, and his mind shifting and seeing God transform his heart and his marriage and his relationship, showing him that even his words were abusive. And he's like, I'm a woman abuser in Christ. And he puts it off and repents of the past. These are men that are strong that I know regularly. There's folks in my RC over the last two years that I've had an opportunity to lead where I have seen them transform night and day 
by allowing the renewed mind in Christ to change them as they put on the new and put off that old. And their hearts are changing because Christ is continually driving up in them. They're, the way they communicate, the way that they feel they are, who they are, they're no longer like shame and guilt. Because Christ is in me, I'm renewed, I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm beautiful, right? Go ahead and take a look at verse 11 with me, guys. Verse 11, it says, Here there is not after, or, whoa, sorry. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And it's interesting, this is kind of this weird pause where we have this awesome tension of this old self being put off. And all of a sudden, this new self through the renewed mind of Christ after the image of the creator. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, slave, free, barbarian, Scythian. And what Paul's doing, he's looking at the church right now, Colossae, and he's saying, listen, all y'all, all y'all, listen, doesn't matter where you're from, what side of the valley, east, west, north, south, doesn't matter what state you're from, doesn't matter what background you're from, all y'all, Christ is all, and he is in all of you, right? Remember this as we go into verse uh, verse 12, guys. And he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Pause right there. Put on then, because Christ is in all, is all, and in all. Put on then, because you were God's chosen. You will have been made holy because of a good, good God. You are his beloved now. No longer are you lost. You've been found. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been made new in Christ because of the work of Christ on the cross. You are chosen, holy and beloved. And our new heart response as children of God because of this is to change our hearts to be compassionate. Right? And if we look at compassion, we look at compassion that Jesus brings towards creation and God's people and people that are in the image of God. Right? We change our hearts from this anger, this wrath, this malice, and we look at them with compassionate hearts. We come with empathy and sympathy and we come and humble ourselves to care and love other people as Jesus did us when we were broken, when we were lost, when we were forgotten. He brought compassion to us, right? We look at kindness. Again, this is towards all creation. Animals, man, woman, tree huggers, hop in here. You guys will love it. <laughs> kindness towards all of creation, right? Christ showed us kindness while we were still sinners, we are called to show the same kindness that Christ showed us to those that are sinners, that those that are part of the church. We can't walk out of here boastful and saying, oh, I got Jesus, I'm good, but that guy that's right out there in Hungary, he's a sinner, he doesn't need nothing. I remember the first time I walked into a church after I got saved, second time, because I got saved before the second time I walked in, and I walk into this community of young adults, because I was a young adult back then, I'm old now, and I walk into this community, and there's a group of people there, and they just stop what they're doing and stare at me. I look up, I go, hey, what's up, guys? They're like, what are you doing here? I was like, I got Jesus, I'm here. And these are people I went to high school with, and I'm like, why didn't you ever share the gospel with me? And they're like, we thought you couldn't be saved. And I was like, eh. Kindness to all people. They didn't care about me. They forgot about me because I wasn't good enough. And these were believers in the church. It doesn't matter where they're at or who they're at. We bring kindness to those around us because Christ showed us kindness when we were at our worst. Right? Humility. Christ humbled himself to the point of death for you, each and every one of you in this room. Our humility brings the same humility that Christ brings. Humble ourselves. Become a servant to all, right? The ultimate servant to the point of death. Meekness. And this is an interesting thought. I had a, hard, I had a real hard time with this, to be honest with you. I think I Google searched the term and all that stuff. But this idea of meekness and the way that Christ 
that what I landed on was how Christ came as a baby. This God of the universe, the creator of the universe, breathed it into creation, breathed everything we have, this big, huge, untangible God shows up on the scene, a little baby, and this meekness that's brought through that with the expectation that he knows he's about to go for 33 years and be destroyed for 33 years of his life, and then he's going to be hung on a cross and take on the wages, the wages of the sin of every single one of the people in the world. Humbling, meekness as a baby. Patience. Um, patience is a tough one for probably 99.9% of us in here, including myself. But patience with those around us, patience with those who don't believe, patience with those who believe. We pause, we stop, we pray, we allow Christ who is in us to do the work, right? God was patient with me for 21 years through my past. How long was he patient with you? How long should you be patient for that coworker you just shared the gospel with? 21 years. As much time as you need, that patience will happen. God will do the work he wants to do in and through you, and he will bring those to him who he wants to bring to him. Be patient with the broken. Be patient with your family, this dysfunctional family that's here today. Be patient. Just because you put off for six months and that guy just put off for a week doesn't mean he's not, in the same, or he's not in the same process that you went through two years ago. And patience and kindness and compassion, right, and gentleness is coming out, but also doing this the right way through loving one another and communicating the word of God. And the illustration that I thought about when I was thinking about this list, and I mean, I had a whole bunch of them from my, my uh, past, and I was like, I think people are tired of hearing about me, but um, this picture of my wife and my family popped in my head, and I had mentioned foster care a little bit earlier, and I look down this list, and I think about compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and if anybody has been a part of foster care and adoption, um, or is currently in a process of adopting Blackwells, love you guys, and you feel the pain that comes from it, when you show up and you take on this baby or this little child or this young adult that has been abused their whole life, neglected their whole life, the patience, the compassion towards the weak and the meek and the, the lonely come out, right? And when I started looking at that too, I think about my wife, as she, as she, my wife and my kids as they show compassion and kindness to 11 kids over the last eight years. They've invited them into our home. They've cared for them and loved them deeply. Um, and it's a beautiful picture. And then I started thinking through as a household, my wife and I, we've been challenged to show compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, not only with a broken system that fails over and over again, and this baby's been in the system for two years and doesn't even have a home yet, but then we look at the families of the, that are broken, the mom and dad who had the child taken away. And now we have this opportunity to slowly build a relationship because they don't trust us because we're stealing their kid from them. We're just in it for the kid. We're going to take them. And having that patience and that compassion towards them and that kindness towards them so that they trust us, that we get the chance to show them Jesus, to show them what we're here for, that we're here to care for your baby. Will you heal and point them to it. So foster care brings out these, and I, that was a picture of my wife and my kids, and um, the nuttiness that the last eight years of our life have been, but how these play out through the people who care, as James 127 says, right? Uh, look at verse 13 with me. Verse 13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven, you also must forgive. That dysfunctional family I talked about early on, right? There's issues that come up. Things that are broken within the communication. People that are hurt, pride, issues, so on and so forth. As we bear with one another in that understanding way, as we put on the compassion, the kindness, the humility, the meekness, the patience, as we put that on as a family and we come to it with a tender heart, we can take that bearing with one another in an understanding way, and we can make it real. We can understand where they're at as a family. 
Um, excuse me. <clears throat> when we have issues and we look at those issues within the church, that forgiveness, the only thing we can look to is Jesus, right? He forgave us while we were still sinners, and he redeemed us still through that. How much more righteous are we to not forgive a brother and sister in Christ for something small that they did to us? We put that away, and we put on the righteousness of forgiving one another, caring for one another, having those compassionate hearts towards one another, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And we can forgive because Christ forgave us. So put that on, guys. Verse 14, if you guys will read that with me, verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I really enjoyed this one. It was probably my best example or illustration out of all of it, to be honest with you. And that's what Josh said. But um, <laughs> if you look at classic Paul, right? Greater than, go to 1 Corinthians 13. You go to Philippians. You go to Ephesians. Paul, love is the greatest. Love is what binds them together. And the illustration that I had was um, as a binding agent. I, I was sitting there. And I think I was hungry. I don't know what was going on. I was prepping. And um, in my mind, I started thinking about baking and cooking and all this stuff. I'm like, man, cheeseburgers and cookies and cake and all the good stuff. And I'm like, what the heck is it that you use to bind that all together? Don't you have to have something core in that at all times? And I walk out and I go, hey, babe. She looks at me. She goes, yeah, what do you need? I was like, hey, what's that, what's that thing you put in all your baking goods when you're making cakes and cookies and breads and, you know, you're making hamburgers, what binds all that stuff together? And she just looked at me like I'm an idiot. And she goes, an egg? And I was like, that's it? It's an egg. An egg and love. <laughs> she loves me. Like an egg, right? An egg and love are the same. In Christ, love is that binding agent that brings the church together. Right? Just like we can have a good cake or a good juicy burger, it happens because of the egg <laughs> and the griller. But <laughs> love is what brings and binds that community in perfect harmony and together. So as we walk in love, as Christ loved us, he loved the church, we in this room can be the binding agent amongst Redemption North Mountain, amongst our coworkers, amongst our households, amongst as we love as Christ loved us. And now we got to take a transition again. This is this picture we got to put on, or we got to put off, then we got to sit and put on um, with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, understanding how to bear with one another in an understanding way, right? Our hearts now can pour out thankfulness to God because of all this. And Paul goes into this place where he says, let the, right? So take a look at verse 15 with me. Verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. That peace of Christ that dwells in us, let the peace of Christ dwell in you. The peace that he showed you the day that you came to know him and, and love him. Let that peace dwell deep inside you, right? It will break that past, allow you to put off, allow you to put on, that peace of Christ will drive you to put off and to put on because Christ is now in you, the strength of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, when I look at this and I start thinking about when we planted Redemption North Mountain or were part of planting Redemption North Mountain back in 2020 and thought about the call that my wife and I had in, from the Holy Spirit to sell our house in the East Valley. That was a beautiful house and perfect and great shape. <laughs> a lot cheaper than the house in North Scottsdale. Uh, <laughs> but we get rid of it all and we're running and we're like, let's go see what this happens. Then we show up, I think it was August. I can't even remember. I think it was August. We did this kickoff and this launch and all these people are in this room sitting at a bunch of tables, about 40 of us roughly. I didn't know 90% of them. And we're sitting in this room. Everybody's around these tables and the peace of Christ was in the community that launched this church. As we sat together in thankfulness to God through prayer and worship and preparation for the work that Christ was going to do through Redemption North Mountain here in North Phoenix. And it was just this beautiful picture where people have sold their stuff. People have left other congregations. People have left their family. There are people that came from a different state to be a part of it. 
And that's the peace of Christ dwelling in us. We give up so that way we can move the gospel. Right? The peace of Christ dwells in us. Look at verse 16 with me, guys. And verse 16 says, Let the word of, of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Since the day I was saved, this has been my life. And when I think about the word dwelling rich, richly, I have a few different examples here, but my, my first one reminds me of my kids. And it's actually a video game that they played called Roblox. And the game itself, Roblox drives me nuts, the game itself is called Thick Legends. I don't know if you guys have played it or not. If not, don't waste your time. But it's this picture of all these people that are online together. And you start off as just an average Joe, just show up and you're just kind of hanging out in your clothes. And um, this guy starts to eat meat. He starts eating burgers, and he starts doing push-ups, and he starts lifting stuff, right? And all of a sudden, he goes from being thick to thick, kick, kick, kick. And the thicker you get, <laughs> yes, are you ready for it? <laughs> the thicker you get, the more K's you get, right? So they would get to this point where you're the biggest dude ever, and you're thick, kick, 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 And they look at me and dad say, you're thick, kick, kick, kick. I was like, okay, I get three or four. That's cool. But then I start looking at this idea of allowing the word to dwell richly in our heart as we study the word of God, as we're in the word of God daily, right? And we go from milk, steak, to meat, and we can get thick, through God's word, right? We let that dwell deeply in us. And the other way that I've seen this thick, kick-kick-ness roll out is in the men at our Bible study that we do Fridays and Saturdays. For the last few years, we've been running a study with men, and I see men that come in and through there um, when they can. And these men are studying the word week after week after week. And I see them coming in, and their minds and their hearts are being transformed for Christ. They're, they're looking at it, and they're being honest, and they're saying, I don't want to look at pornography anymore because I want to be more like Christ. I don't want to drink anymore and have alcohol, be a slave to alcohol anymore because it's ruining my life. And these men come in and they get into the word and they feel the accountability and the love of the men around them, the compassion, the kindness, the heart, and they're in that word as it cleanses their heart. Their relationship with Christ gets thick. Right? Thick. And as we step out of this, we're going to look at this last point. Before I step out of this, let me look at this last point. As the peace of Christ dwells in us, as the word of Christ, of the word of Christ dwells in us, it allows us to be in a place where we can worship him fully, right? Our outcry is now a place where we can stand as a community and raise our hands in worship of God. We can give him praise and glory for what he's doing in and through us and praise him for everything that he's done in our life. We can give. We can give our time through serving. And as that gets thicker, we're giving up our own comfortability for his glory and for his praise. Um, look at verse 17 with me as we look how we get to live fully for him. In verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's pretty self-explanatory. I don't want to spend too much time killing it on this, but everything you do, as you're sitting here in church taking notes, as you're preparing for your Sunday events, whether it's barbecue or whatever, whether you're going to go home and mow the lawn or whether you're going to go make some really killer food or you're going to go take a nap because you're exhausted at some point in time, it doesn't matter. All of that, as we look at this and Paul teased this up for us, Christ is all in all. At the end of it, we're giving thanks and glory to him and we can live fully for him because we are actively putting off that old and putting on that new in everything that we do. As we sit there and prepare a meal for the family for dinner, as we sit there and study 
for our tests, which is no, no longer happening because you're all on summer break. But as you prepare and study, as you go to a Bible study, as you go to Comic-Con this weekend, as you think about what to put off and use that elbow grease to put off that old, put on the new, worship him fully as you're here, and now you can live for him fully in all that you do because Christ is in you. And then at the end of this, guys, I just want to wrap it up as we look at this and bring it back to the beginning, right? I was speaking to those non-believers in here. I just wanted to leave you guys with this moment. Those who don't believe in Jesus, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants you to know him and trust him so that way you can fully live for him. Those bootstrappers, it's finished. It's done. Can't earn it. It's been paid. Go to Christ. Lean on him so that way you can put off, put on, fully worship him and fully live for him. It's finished. Guilt and shame, once again, it's finished. You don't need to walk out of here with the burden of your sin in the past. It is finished on the cross. The blood of Jesus has paid it all. You're chosen. You're holy. You're beloved. And because of Christ, you no longer need to do it on your own. He will make, or he will take your yoke and, make your, and give you his. Super easy. And those that let grace abound, just remind you you're saved for something and to something. You were saved to put off and to put on, right? To put off what he shed his blood for, to put on his righteousness so that you can fully worship him and live for him. So remember, Christ is all and in all. As we see here, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. And we're going to take communion. Give glory to God. We're going to worship God the Father. We can raise our hands as we live fully for him. God the Son, God the Spirit. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, for sending him to redeem us from our broken past. Lord, thank you that through Jesus that we can now not live in our old, but live in the new, Father. Give us the strength as we walk out of here today to put off and to put on. Lord, allow us to just worship you fully right here and right now. And that way you can walk out of here and live fully for you as a redeemed people, as a church that is in harmony with one another as we put on what Christ has put in. So Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.